ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up here on episode number 35, and I'm going to be talking to Luthius of UO Outlands, and I believe this one's going to be quite a special one. This is going to be a two-part episode. I rarely do this. In fact, I think the only other time I've done it uh, was for Lord British. That tells you how much I believe uh, in this content specifically that I'm going to deliver. Um, Luthius is an awesome developer, I would say, and this is my opinion, and many have, have agreed with me, I think the top developer of Ultima Online that we've ever seen. And I'm going to go as far as to say as obviously way surpasses what OSI has to offer currently, right? It's a bit of a joke, in my, in my opinion. Um, but Luthius is the type of guy that will listen to constructive criticism. Um, we have not only uh, disagreed before, but we really have not seen eye to eye on certain things. And and it's okay, right? And our friendship has kind of, uh, I believe, matured into a really level of mutual respect for, I believe, what you know we do for the community. And I just want to say a huge uh, thank you to Luthius for sitting down um, because uh, you know, if it weren't for him, I would probably lose faith in some of the things that I think are happening, right? That may not be actually what is going on. And I believe that this is probably one of the most open and honest conversation, you know, I have had with any Outlands staff member, whoever, because I really try to... I didn't try to give a, a you know a gotcha question, but I try to hold his feet to the fire for a few very specific PvP items that I think are lacking, and I didn't understand why they are you know like set up that way. And I'm going to say this because because you're going to hear me say it in the podcast, but I want to be you know crystal clear that. What we established, I believe, as far as PvP in this episode, collectively, that UO Outlands is not a PvP server, right? That's a hot take. You know, there's going to be you know, some opinions on that statement. However, as an avid PvPer, I am okay and I am at peace with that because I know that going in. I think people need to level set with the expectations and say, okay, this is a heavy PVM server with PVP, of course. It's not, you know, full trammel. That's uh, another hot take. I know people are going to have opinions on that too. But it's really not, right? There is risk. You can kill people in the game. It's Faluka only. So, you know, I don't know. I think there's a fine line that people have this knee-jerk reaction, but... When you actually sit down and talk to someone who, you know, makes changes to this game, you kind of have a newfound respect for, you know, why things are the way they are. Now, having said all of that, I still, and this may be my hill to die on, I don't know, but I still want to see factions in Outlands again. I know it started with it, but that's my uh, personal opinion because the only organized PvP that me, Mustache Gaming, personally, like, was enthralled by was Factions. 24-7. I mean, it, I just, I loved Factions. And I'd be interested to see Factions with 
this many people playing a shard because I don't believe we will ever see these numbers again. I really don't think so. I don't even know if OSI has factions anymore. I, <laughs> to be honest, I have no clue. But um, I would implore if any PvP you know, people or even uh, non-PvP really like factions, reach out to Luthius and express that because I don't want to be the only one here. Now, I will say Luthius, though, has a, maybe not a substitute, but some other open world PvP idea that I found very interesting that I would absolutely give it a try. I think I like his, and you'll listen to it, I like this idea way better than Town Stroller Corpse Creek. So listen for that. Um, again, a huge thank you to Luthius. Um, you are, man, you're one in a million. I tell you what, uh, to sit down here with me for a few times now. Um, listen for part two. I think part two is going to surprise a lot of people. And it's going to be, um, the only thing I can say is it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be way different than uh, you guys are used to. Um, definitely check me out on Twitch. I still stream Ultima Online and other content. Check me out there. Mustache Gaming is going to be in the description. Um, I'll list all my socials. And uh, again, thank you to the Outlands community, you guys that actually listen to this specific content. Um, I sincerely appreciate that. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right, guys. I'm sitting down with Luthius. Uh, Luthius, how you doing, man? Doing good. It's been a long. Has it been over a year since we've talked? I think it's probably around 16 months or so. I think wow. somewhere in the somewhere in the year and a half, almost a year and a half now. I think at this point, it really doesn't feel that long, to be quite honest. Um, yeah, the whole entire yeah the whole entire kind of like timeline for Outlands for me is now starting to kind of. I used to be able to tell pretty precisely when things were implemented like oh, i know that was like four, that was six months ago that was eight months ago yeah and then i'll i'll say something and everyone's like no that, that was actually like two and a half years ago and i'm like holy crap it's just that sort of loss of precision on memory as far as when things went in but um yeah well, I think it's, I think... yeah i'll say i mean and this is you know regardless of outlands this this whole pandemic has been just a time vortex i don't know what time it is like <laughs> I've lost all sense of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you're if your normal routine of going to work and actually driving and then kind of, you know, the the sort of mechanics of getting to places and when that stuff kind of goes out the window, you, yeah, it, do, it does start to blend in a little bit more than a t traditional routine, I think. Oh, for sure. And so we want to I want to dive right into it and I want to kind of go over um, the, you know, your the last expansion Outlands had, and I'm gonna kind of give you from a player standpoint what you know I kind of think and what I experienced because I was there when when you know the expansion happened. Um, I'll say, and I want to I want to be clear too. Like I've never been involved in like server births. I've never done that. I've never had the opportunity. So I, like I wasn't there for Outlands when it launched, and honestly throughout me playing free shards like I, I was a big hybrid guy but they never really had a expansion so to speak right because it was just the original map there wasn't really like new content all at once right so when i heard about you know your guys doing the expansion i'll be honest i was extremely excited because i was like man 
you know, no offense, Luthius, and I know we're friends. I thought it was getting a little <laughs> stale, you know. Sure, sure. And 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 I and I want to be clear, stale just being okay. I'm kind of doing the same things over and over again. Housing is like, I mean, it is at you know a peak. Like there's an issue, right? And and I'm like, clearly they know this. And when y'all announced the you know the expansion and all this, I said, okay, great. Here comes the fix. This is going to be huge. And I kind of went into it like cautious where i said i really thought expansion day like nothing's gonna work server's gonna have you know smoke coming from it <laughs> like epic fail just what i expected and I, and I say that not to discredit you guys i work in it right so i know like sure. just technology do, sometimes doesn't cord like it just doesn't work it, it's simple as that how can you walk through kind of what you guys were you know the sense of like feeling on the expansion yeah, well, on that previous note, ironically, I think we actually had like less bug issues the first day of the expansion than we've had on some of our recent patches, even even just kind of like medium to minor patches. Yeah, uh, the expansion was surprisingly smooth. We we did we did put some a good amount of effort into trying to make sure that it happened, but just in general, based on the sheer amount of content, we were we were honestly pretty scared that there was going to be some issues. But um, so we were, even we were kind of stunned at how smoothly it went. Yeah. Um, All right, guys, we're going to take a pause for the cause here. We are sponsored by Death Wish Coffee. You go to deathwishcoffee.com, use code Ultima online, all one word, you will get yourself a healthy discount. I drink Death Wish every single day. I love it. I've been drinking Death Wish probably for about two to three years now. And one of the coolest things about them, back in 2018, they actually sent the world's strongest coffee up in the International Space Station. So no other coffee company can say that. I know that for a fact. Um, so if you want bold coffee, it's smooth. I mean, it is like jet fuel. I'm not kidding you. Especially if you get them little cans. When I'm streaming Ultima Online, trust me, that little can has 300 milligrams of caffeine. Now look, I ain't no math scientist, but it's a lot. Because after I drank that thing, it is crazy. And... Honestly, Deathwish is just a kick-ass company. They are super cool, and they've supported me now. They believe in this vision. So, honestly, guys, you need to check it out. Let me know, and I appreciate your support. But at the same time, we didn't want to do a we didn't want to do a full land rush. And obviously, you said you've never really experienced a real, true you know server launch, right? Yeah, and that was one of our initial concerns when we were, we were discussing the expansion which honestly the expansion has been even before we launched it the expansion has been in development for over a year owen's been working on the landmass for over a year i've been uh spitballing like the the chivalry and necromancy stuff's actually been in development and in, in various iterations for over over a year wow but but the uh what we started kind of planning out the, the actual landmass stuff our initial plan was to just do a standard. We're we're gonna launch this, and then it's gonna be a giant land rush where everybody's gonna race and get houses and things. And then we kind of realized, just based on how we've seen players do IDOCs or any sort of content where a group, a group like a guild, can take over a mechanic, right. that it, it was gonna result in a, in a large number of houses going to a small group group of organized people, which was kind of counter to what we were trying to hope for. We wanted to get more people who didn't have any houses into the, into housing and make it as fair as possible for people who've 
aren't on the you know aren't aren't part of a a organized collective their chance at getting some sort of a spot in in game. So that was one of the kind of the the primary mechanisms for us for the the expansion was this sort of thirty day window of every day we're going to have a lottery for housing spots and um, the uh, boat dock spots in Anchor's Rest. Right. So and that was kind of a combination of myself and actually Secret Man on on staff also had kind of an idea for sort of like a lottery type raffle system for it and we ended up kind of merging our concepts for that a little bit. Right. And and like I can say, you know, at least before the expansion and even just the small guild that, you know, I operate in, we, we had a lot of people that would start. And then I had a just I had a really small, um, you know, I think it's a three level house. I still have it. It's one of the smaller ones, but still I had a shelf in there. People could, you know, macro because really to me, the shelf and the ability to use it to macro is, is pretty much a game changer for a lot of new players. And, you know, I can't tell you how many people trained through that house and, and got leveled up, <laughs> you know, but the, the core issue of it was, okay, so now I'm, you know, I'm trained up, I can farm a little bit, I'm getting some gold, like the housing, you know, pre-expansion, the housing prices started creeping up so much that I feel like it was a very significant bar to, of entry to get something, you know, besides, you know, hell, I, you know, I call it a trailer, but, you know, <laughs> a really yeah, small, yeah. you know, way. Like, man, there's, there's got to be something else here. And did, now, did you guys kind of, obviously you realize that, but did this plan come, you know, like when, when COVID approached and you realized you had an interesting problem, which was growth? Or how did that all come about? Well, I mean, to, I mean, to be honest, the actual landmass itself filled up probably within the first couple of days of, uh, after we launched. I think within, within, I think definitely within like three or four weeks of launch, uh, we had the whole landmass full. So it, it, it's housing has been pretty much a problem from the get go. We've we've had enough player base where even you know the, we had about two thousand players after about the first maybe. Then we we launched right around October of ninety eight, and we. Basically, around January, I think hit about two thousand people playing online at that point. And granted, a lot of them were adult, were multiple accounts, you know, macroing and working still. But we already had the lot. The housing thing has been an issue almost from the start. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't until about maybe a year, a little over a year ago, I think we was when the rental room, the inns, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yep, yep. The, uh, where, where you can go to an inn and you can rent a, you get a contract to rent a room. That was our first attempt at sort of finally alleviating the the housing issue without just kind of you know. Kind of crapping out a T2A area where we just say, "Oh yeah, here's a giant landmass, just just fill it up with houses right. or something." Uh, but yeah, but we, we've known for a long time that the housing problem is a is a big deal, and the expansion thing was part of our other uh, solution for it. Although the the problem not the problem, but the it was kind of uh, it was kind of funny because we, we we would constantly get players asking, "You know, what are you gonna do about housing?" And we can't we we couldn't tell them right out, "Oh yeah, we're actually adding a giant landmass." So right. Just hang hang in there. We basically we had to tell people we're working on a solution. Just try to have, you know for the moment consider the in room the rental room system if you haven't used it. Uh, we'll try to find some other kind of stopgap solutions. But we're working on it. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we wanted to keep the expansion thing a secret. So that was, I mean, really, it was a, it was a, I mean, a period of about three or four months before the, before we actually launched, where we were, I mean, the the hardcore 
point where I was pretty much working on the expansion. I was, I mean, ninety percent of my 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 work on Outlands was the expansion was about four months before we launched. Right. So yeah, that whole period of time, I was basically telling people, you know, we're working on it, but I can't tell you exactly what it is, but we're it's it's going to happen. Well, so that and, was a bit... and I can tell you, you know, I I feel for I'll just say, you know, game development in general, but well, you know, given the climate of of COVID, right, hit. And it was at its peak roaring people. And I'm going to say for UO, cause that's what, you know, I, I played the most exclusively. I mean, I think saying tour through content would be a, would be an understatement of what people did, but golly, yeah. man, they, I mean, ripped through everything you threw at them. People, I mean, just no life did, you know, did you expect that? To be honest. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I think the very first time when we we made a giant mechanic that we we completely underestimated how much people were going to do was the initial <laughs> aspect was the it was the initial aspect system yeah where we where we built it where we I think I think yeah we, we initially launched that with tier ten being the top level tier and we're thinking okay this is going to hold people over for six months right and then and then we'll introduce another tier and then I'll be another you know one or two or three months and people hit tier ten I mean within weeks it's it, some people. The, big, the biggest bottleneck was actually getting the resources, the, the aspect cores and things, but the actual experience and stuff, uh, right. people were, were more or less hitting that amount of experience needed within like a couple weeks. And so that was our first wow. taste of like, of realizing, okay, we have some people playing 12 hours a day <laughs> and, yeah. and, and we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to deal with that. And, well, so. and, and it was really weird because, you know, you don't really just say, okay, it was the U.S. that you know COVID caused this. It was like all of a sudden worldwide, most people right shut down, and it was like you literally had nothing to do but play UO because everything else around you seemingly stopped, and you could just dedicate your entire you know existence into this game. Which, golly, you know, I, I don't know if we'd ever see that again. And I thought in my head. During this time, because, I mean, I put some significant hours in for sure, but I always thought, okay, we're in a, and I call it the COVID bubble, right? I sure, mean, sure. like people are here and I get it because they have nothing to do, obviously, duh, you know, like, this is, this is it. And then as, you know, we kind of moved past, you know, the expansion and stuff and man, like people, and it's, and it's weird, Luthius, because I'm going to say this too, and maybe you can shed light on it. I still feel like there's still like new people and some people that just come in and out, like the ebb and flow, I would say, right, of a player. Have you guys oh, still seen like new people or what what's the deal? Yeah, so um it's 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 been a really weird weird dynamic because we obviously I mean, I think every shard in general, probably across the board during COVID had an uptick in population. It, it yeah. probably it, it varied from from server to server and it probably is based on a percentage of what they expected normally, you know, like Small ones that had fifty probably had seventy-five or, or you know whatever. Uh, but yeah, for us, it was pretty continuously ticking up in the in the hundreds uh, every, every month of COVID kicking in or since COVID started. Right. We'd see about our our daily counts would go go up by about hundred, and it kept going up and up. And and a lot of them were actually, I think we we, we did have a sizable number of new people, and that's which I honestly I think I probably attribute more towards the streamers and. Also, just kind of word of mouth because people right. probably told people probably had friends saying, you know, like I'm I'm at home now. Uh, hey, hey, what are you doing when you're, you know, what are you doing for fun now at home? And someone's like, oh, I got, I got I'm playing Ultima or something. Yeah. 
uh, part of it's and what now I want to, you know, what do you consider a new player? Let me be clear too. Like what do you, oh, you know? Well, yeah, there's definitely different demarcations. You, you can call, I mean, there's, there's new to Outlands and there's new to UO. And that's, there's two different, very different things. Uh, we have tons of people who bounce around from server to server. And they, they, they know Ultima. They've played official. I feel like a lot of official players don't really go to the free shards. If you're, if you're locked in on the, on the official UO, you like that mechanics you like those mechanics you like the you like the interface you like yeah. kind of that kind of the difference in i mean obviously the ui for their the actual official clients difference and you're used to that sort of feel and i don't feel like too many people who are actually into official uo now come back to free shards uh but you do have people who bounce around from free shard to free shard they'll hear about new shard launching and then they'll play for i mean there's there's obviously the server rush window of like two to three weeks and sure, they make decisions yeah. They make decision if they're going to keep going or not, and there's there's always a, a preset. Pretty much, I think every single every server pretty much always has a built-in population of 100 to 200 people who are always going to try out whatever new server exists, and then whether or not they stay is kind of up on the air or not. But um, I think we we actually for the expansion probably picked up a couple people who had never done Outlands who are normally part of that sort of group. Right. Uh, but we also had a lot of people. It was interesting because uh, the so the expansion launched September for or next September fourth for us. Uh, we announced it a month in advance. We've been working on it pretty. I mean, I was I was working pretty hardcore on it for four months before that. Owen's been working on the map stuff for I mean a year, but right. uh, but within that uh, two three month window of J- July September, or I guess July August of September, I think there were four four other major servers that launched, or at least three servers that other other servers that launched. So there was this giant window of UO activity going on, of new servers launching, people moving around. We had our expansion going. And I think there's just that sort of level of activity pushed out a lot of info. And, and people for people who aren't actually playing UO, their friends kind of tried to get them in. Uh, people who hadn't played in forever were, you know, came back and realized, you know, discovered yeah. these servers. I, I mean, obviously, the fact that um, Invictus, which was, you know, Hybrid's around for absolutely forever. Invictus probably brought a bunch of people who had left Hybrid a while back. back. Right. Um, so it, just, just the general UO population pool kind of got refreshed a bit. And, I mean, obviously, there's, there's players who went left Outlands and played those. We've had players who've tried those new ones out and then came back. So just in general, the kind of the, I think the, uh, the, the swimming pool of outland or of UO players in general just had a bunch of new people pushed or jumped into it. And now they're kind of sorting out where they're going. So I think that's a little bit of, um, sort so of a I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you kind of an example of something you may find actually very interesting because you probably sure, may not hear, sure. hear this side of it. So, and a lot of people that are listening to this and know who this person is. So there, there's a, there's a player in game called Ashy Elbows. Okay. And okay. he's a PK, right? I've always seen him as a red PK. And during, um, you know, COVID times, like, man, he, he was on all the time and we'd play battle or whatever. And finally, I, I ended up talking to him and, you know, we started chatting and just, you know, shooting the breeze. And I just kind of, you know, brought up in conversation like, oh, like, you know, hey, what, you know, what, what chart did you play before? You know, like, where are you from? Like, you know, Sonoma or where did you... And man, he blew my mind. He told me, he goes, man, I've never played UO before. And like that, that I've never heard that before. Believe it. Like on any shard I've ever played, I've never heard, like I've never played UO and and I'm going to put the asterisk 
all this guy did, and he's still to this day, all he does is PK. His brother has a PVM account that, you know, farms, whatever, and literally he just logs in, gets his spear, runs around, and kills people all day. <laughs> the thing is that, that that still makes sense to me because I, I mean, with, with Steam, there's been a whole bunch of games that are these sort of like survivalist. I mean, you have like... Um, uh, Rust and Ark and yeah, I, I I feel like since those games have kind of taken off, that sort of even 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 the sort of um, the um, battle arena type things. I think there's been a giant influx of people who are looking for competitive PvP type type games, and yeah. that that sort of thing didn't really exist. At least the ones where there were consequences to them. Obviously, like games like World of Warcraft, you you, you know if you die in, P, in PvP in World of Warcraft, you don't really lose much. You have to go right. back and get yourself. But it doesn't feel like you're really, you know, you didn't you didn't lose anything per se. But I feel like a lot of these other games have gotten people conditioned to being like, okay, I can, I you know, this sense of risk of dropping all of my gear and losing my things and being able to actually take from some take some take items from other people is a little more palatable now to people after playing those types of games. So I think the people who are looking for that sort of level of comp- competitiveness and that level of risk and, and are now a little willing to t- to, be, to be less risk averse, UO actually is a pretty interesting proposition for them. So I think it makes sense to me now. Well, and, and honestly, the learning curve for UO is not an easy game. If I look oh, at yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, so on, on that note, okay, so this is kind of a random, not a tangent, but like, so on our, we have our development diary, which is a forum post I typically do about once a year. That kind of outlines what our plans are for the coming year. Okay. The, the, the current one we have up has actually been over a year. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit longer, longer lasting than we typically, you know, typically try to have. Yeah. But we we continuously have a new player experience slash um, kind of like tutorial thing in the in in the our our plans for you know we're, we're gonna try to create some sort of a system to to onboard players as far as getting them, you know, these are players who are completely from scratch learning UO. Right. And we keep on planning on doing that, but at the same time, we also keep ending up with um, uh, people like Pwnstar or Jace Owens or people who are willing to put time and effort into making these wonderful, I mean, extremely personable guides to UO that explain to people from the start, you know, here's what you need to do. And the community does, I mean, honestly, I think a much better job of getting people interested and teaching them, what, you know, the, the how UO works and what how you need to interact with things. And I don't know, I think the, the community seems like a much better environment to learn than than us trying to, you know, give them a straight walkthrough tutorial. And I think there's some truth to that because in my mind, you know, new player acquisition, it would be like. I highly doubt someone, you know, Google's UO Outlands, and I'm assuming has no idea why they're Googling that, right? I don't Probably, think yeah. that, you know, you guys aren't on billboards. <laughs> There's not, you know, mass marketing campaign going out there. So, yeah, my opinion is if it's word of mouth, well, whoever referred them is going to say, hey, you know, well, do X, Y, and Z or watch these videos. I would say time is better spent on actual dev cycles of new stuff, fixing stuff for sure, right? Because it takes away. And this leads into the next thing because I, I kind of get this question a lot and I, and I feel like people perhaps don't know, but in probably in my best office space type of, you know, voice, you know, what do you actually do? And, <laughs> and I'm talking for Outlands. 
Yeah, so as, as far as like my, my 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 roles and the sort of the like the scope of what my 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 job here is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty much responsible for about 99% of the actual in-game mechanics that players experience. Um, so I'm in charge of coding all of the the gameplay mechanics. In charge of I'm more or less the the final say on what goes in as far as uh, gameplay interactions that players are going to have as far you know for skills for events for um, anything that you are doing that's player interaction. We have a giant dev staff now, which is a I mean, it's 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 extremely impressive what our dev staff is capable of doing because we have a bunch of people working on the client stuff. We have people constantly working on helping out with the the the, the classic UO clients. Yeah, and so 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 that, so they'll do stuff that affects like the save times, affects the network handling for. Um, just you know, just obviously how, how packets are handled. Uh, Jaden's fantastic at that. We have um, how many do you uh, have? Can you say? Yeah. So right now we have we have uh, Jaden, we have Cameron, uh, we have Vorspire, we have uh, JFM, we have Diru, and that's pretty much the the core dev group right now. And each one of them kind of has their own specialty. Right. Um, but but all of them pretty much for the most part stick to the the sort of back end stuff that has to do with you know like how data is being stored and nothing really interactive. Um, Vorspire will help us sometimes with uh, administrative tools we use, which is again extremely helpful. Yeah. For us. But uh, I'm I'm basically in charge of all of the anything you use a player do. I'm more or less responsible for that, which is is is, is a ton of fun, and I actually absolutely love being in charge of that. But it's also kind of um, it's it's a little intimidating, and it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> okay, so it's interesting you say that, yeah, because like I'm I'm honestly interested. So you know when you say intimidating, like are you and like as you're developing these new, let's say, mechanics or perhaps, you know, updating one, are you always like thinking in the, your head, okay, I'm going to do this and everyone hates it and it sucks. Is that like a real kind of fear or like, you know, walk us through that? Well, yeah, I guess it depends. That, so there's there's different types of, I mean, okay, you can kind of quantify our patch our patches into the sort of like the bug fix bug fix patches. You have the new content patches. You have the 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 rebalance patches, and each one of those patches has, in my mind, a different mood to them. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, we, we can we can have a pa- have a patch that will have like I mean like three or four pages of just like pretty interesting Q, quality of life QL stuff. And then we'll have one thing in there that changes like for tabers, like uh, a damage nerf of like 5%. And immediately I know, okay, this, this, this patch is going to suck for us mentally just because <laughs> it, it's, it's the, the four or the, the discord is going to blow up with people all, you know, like discussing it or complaining about it. Or in some cases, I mean, they're going to people, a lot of them people are going to say, yeah, this, this was needed. It's obviously it's not fun to have a nerf on something, but um, yeah, right. but just that sort of, you know, with a patch going out, even if all there's all these amazing QL new 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 things being added, that certain certain patches are just going to have, they're going to they're it's going to cause a certain mood to happen in Discord, and that's the sort of intimidation thing is, you know things need things need to change and you have to make the rebalance on them, but people aren't going to like it and I mean, it's, you know like nobody 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 wants like less loot. That's, I mean, that's you know, <laughs> right. yeah nobody asks. I mean I mean okay. That's not true. We we do have people asking for rebalances, but it's a it's a it's a it's a minority of people who are looking for having less of something. People yeah, usually like, want more stuff. Right. No one wants to take longer to kill a mob or you yep, know stuff yep. like that. Right. Especially yep. after investing 
X amount of time, resources, whatever, right? No one was like, oh yeah, let's let's do that. Um, well, I mean, and the other factor too is that so a lot of the the, the market on Outlands for you know for different aspect cores, we don't control the prices on them. Players themselves dictate what they think the value is of like a command, command core. So the command cores for a long time were the most valuable core out there. Yeah, because taming because taming was like was so much better than anything else. And people got really mad at us when we made changes to things and saying, I spent all this money on command cores. At the same time, I'm like, I, I mean, mentally, I'm like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you guys picked the price on those. We didn't tell you guys to value those things that much, you know. So it's, it's, it's kind of hard being hamstrung with making changes to existing stuff based on players' mental and emotional investment and what they paid for things, how much work they put into them. So that's part of the, the the difficulty with a lot of what I do is having to make decisions that are gonna cause emotional issues from people and people, you know. So let's let's really get into it then. When you make a decision, is it you know the decision making process purely on the you know gameplay experience, and you kind of eliminate the I'll just call emotional baggage. Most of the time, we try to try to keep emotions and. Uh, there's the, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's, and I'm not going to say there's certain, there's certain uh, play styles that are off bat, or off limits on changing, but there are certain ones that are obviously going to be hot button uh, topics whenever we change anything for them. I mean, Tamers, that's, that's right. Yeah, everybody knows, everybody knows that. Anytime you make a change to Tamers, there's going to be a massive outcry amongst people. So that's one of those things where every time we try to make a change to that, we're, if we're putting a, a little bit more, of the of the emotional aspect into it when we think about it that's not, not to say we're not gonna we won't make changes obviously because obviously we've been making changes continuously on taming yeah. for about two, two plus years right now but well it's we interesting do. because on the same token we're like i plot my pvmer is is a dexer and it's like anytime a dexer's buffed silent crickets right no one's saying oh that's ridiculous dexers are too powerful right but and then it's like a tamer, golly, yeah, you nerf like a tiny little thing, and it's like, oh, th this build is broken, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you do you do get the issue of people. So there's a one of the more interesting elements of online games in general is the sort of the relative strength perspective, and people people it's it's so weird because if you if you take a player playing a game in a vacuum and they don't know what other people are making gold wise or they don't know what other people are doing TPS wise. And if they don't have a, a very easy metric to see how well or how what their performance is relative to other, other people, they usually don't have a big problem. What we have a problem in Outlands in general is that people see the, the DPS other people are doing because people post screenshots, people post their um, have like boss results where you can see how much right. damage people did, did bosses. So there's this if somebody else gets buffed, in their mind psychologically they by just relative to other things, feel that they've been nerfed. Right. And yeah. So it's it's really, it's really hard sometimes to try to rebalance things with people not real, you know, people not feeling that other people's buffs are their own nerfs. So that's that's a, that's that's a difficult issue to navigate. I think. No, that's interesting. Now it's yeah, that's very interesting you say that. Do you? And I know you're probably more of an analytical type of guy. Do you guys have data to say like? Because I know you'd probably want to represent this to say, hey, look, you know. This bar dexer, we've seen someone farm X amount of gold per hour 
you know, almost the same as a tamer. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have data to support some of these points that you could easily just tell the masses, hey, look, you know, this is actually possible with this template? I think a lot of, I mean, I mean, to be fair, a lot of that stuff gets shared amongst people anyways. I mean, people are, yeah. people are constantly, if somebody feels that there's a, there's an imbalance issue, they'll generally post, you know, screenshots showing, saying, this is what I saw this person do, or this is what they showed me that they, they did. Um, we're constantly getting private messages from players showing like, I think this is probably about a balance issue. Would you take a look at this? It's yeah, we have, we have an, I mean, it's always kind of interesting. I'll, I'll take a real, real quick detour here. Back when I played the the IPY import ULM whatever server, yeah, I was I was one of those people who people who took uh, who took like uh, stopwatches and would would time my damage for dexers or things, and create my own like DPS charts and my own gold charts. And I would send that that data into Az uh, as, um, Azeroth, who was the admin for IPY. Yeah. And I, I was I was that guy. I was that guy wow. who was sending in all, all that data to to them. And I think most of it got ignored, which is fine because he, he had a lot of things on his, on his plate. But um, we have a gigantic population of people who are analytical like that, who who love doing giant spreadsheets. I mean, like, literally with, like, with graphs and things of showing DPS meters and over time and things. And <laughs> wow. the the sheer amount of data I get from players is it's pretty pretty impressive. And I try to make use of that whenever I can. And sometimes you obviously have to have to kind of gauge whether whether this is in a specific window that may not apply to most things like there are certain there's certain builds that work only on bosses and only if if players have you know x y and z in their certain conditions are met right yeah yeah so so there's i mean you have to be careful not to completely nerf a template based on one specific outlier scenario that 95 percent of the player base is not going to be actually utilizing so there's a little bit of a a human element to figuring out what 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 feedback you can rely on as being this is indicative of what's actually going on versus what sort of you know the outlier scenarios but i think i've gotten pretty good at finding and kind of parsing through player feedback of what's a good feel for what's actually going on i think obviously i'm not i'm not perfect at it and there's there's we're constantly making tweaks to to things like you know with our uh, necromancy and, and chivalry stuff more more necromancy than chivalry we've, we've we've done some rebalances after the expansion just kind of you know tone things back yeah because even that's because even the, the initial uh necromancy and, and uh chivalry stuff was was pretty tested i mean tested pretty thoroughly for a month before the we launched with it but you know it's things change and uh, i think well, being receptive I would say, you know, you guys are at, you know, and and I'm just saying at, a, at such a disadvantage because I feel like sometimes people like, I mean, I'll just tell you this. I know up front and, and you owe playing a Dexter, I feel like I know I'm essentially going to be a little bit more gimped damage wise than a tamer rolling up saying all kill. And, and the reason I say that has nothing to do with Outlands. It's just like. It's a UO thing in my mind. Like tamers have always been the end all be all, you know, doing maximum damage. But for me as a player, and I've never been a min max, I guess, kind of guy. So my view on it, it's a little different. I want to play with what I have the most fun. And when I played UO growing up, it was always swinging a mace or whatever it may be. And I like about Outlands is I can still do that, right? And, And still have some sort of effect on it but to keep it in perspective i mean yeah unless i have you know all my all my my whole chains and all the links all filled all the way out i realize yeah i'm not going to be 
the powerhouse and a boss. You know what I'm saying? Like I realize that up front. I don't know, man. It's hard to get other people to wrap their head around. Yeah. I, 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 again, that kind of gets back to the whole relative power level is there's this weird sort of yeah mentality of, uh, are you actually enjoying playing it or are you enjoying what you think you are, how you're <laughs> performing relative to other people? Yeah. And, and, and that's what, yeah, it's, it's, it's because like we've we've nerfed we've nerfed things before where, where literally all we did was drop the damage a little bit and then players have said this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Which is I mean I, I understand if if you're because some people everybody has their own sort of metrics of what what they're enjoying but some people for them literally all that matters is the numbers they see it's not of whether or not the actual you know the mechanic of no, I mean obviously for Dexter it's a it's a little. Dexter's probably most straightforward. You're, you're literally clicking and you're just watching the numbers go. There's, there's there's skill involved with timing bandages, timing, you know, like spacing and things. Right. But but if you yeah, it, it, if you're playing a build that the actual build to you isn't fun, the how you're utilizing skills, how you're how you're playing it, positioning it, using abilities, using um, customizing stuff. If, you're, if it's not fun except for the damage you're doing, I feel like that's probably the wrong reason why you're playing that build. Yeah. So that that's yeah that, that does become an issue a little bit I think no no I, I think it does I mean but in all honesty you know I think people just they're going to complain for the sake of complaining so nothing's absolute or you know perfect you know in any sense now um, you know I think we we touched on population a little bit you know I and I almost it's such a it's a very fascinating thing because I really honestly never thought I would be talking about this in particular. Do you guys feel at Outlands, you know, are you, do you guys plan for like the growth as you see the trends going right now? Or do you guys still feel like, well, I don't want to plan out X, Y, and Z because I don't know if we're going to acquire, you know, 500 more players in, in six months. How do you guys gauge like, you know, that kind of thing? Uh, so the, I guess in terms of the, 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 the issues that come up when you have more players, there's good and bad stuff. I mean, like there's, there's obviously the, the fact that when you have more players, you typically have more people, uh, harvesting, you have more people, there's the, there's the basic economy stuff, which usually takes care of itself for the most part. Usually if you have more players playing, you have more people harvesting, but then you have more crafters and usually that sort of hits its own equilibrium. Uh, the points where it does become a bit more of an issue is when you have a lot of players crammed into the same dungeons, or if you have the. I mean, obviously the housing thing was a was an issue, and even now, we, I mean, we're at this is kind of uh, this is kind of a, a weird or a little crazy number, but I think we have over eight thousand actual houses in game, and okay. I think we're probably. I mean, prior to the expansion, we were at four thousand, right, right around four thousand, and I think we had about a thousand rental houses, maybe a little bit more. I think maybe at one point we peaked at like twelve hundred. And just like being able to kind of plan for that sort of what's the equilibrium that we hit for housing, what's right. the equilibrium we hit we hit for for dungeons where dungeons aren't aren't completely cramped, housing isn't completely cramped. The the housing thing is a little bit more complicated because we have to that one we yeah you're right we 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 do have to kind of plan that out because you can't just you know crap out an expansion that of uh, the giant landmass to throw things on uh especially because owen likes actually making meticulously built visual you know the in the, the expansion larry in general is i mean i was honestly just beautiful so that's that's a thing that we can't exactly just like throw out so, Wait, so owen's meticulous you don't say 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, it's just best with you. Yeah, well, because, yeah, because, yeah, like, you can't, you know, like, say, okay, next year we're going to do another expansion and have another 4,000, you know, housing. When is the number? It, it's so wild in my mind, like, because this is the issue I have, because numbers aren't really a secret. It's, you know, you guys post how many people are online or whatever, but it's like, okay, we're sitting at, you know, let's just go conserve. We're sitting at 2,500, you know, daily. Okay, well, do we think that's our, you know, how do you establish a baseline? You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking of it more analytically. Sure, sure. Like, how do you know? Yeah. It's, it's, the problem is, yeah, so we, ever since, the, since COVID, we kind of presumed that at some point, because of, you know, people working from home, uh, we, we thought that this whole thing was going to be more or less a, you know, we're, we're going to get a bump when, when people start going back to work, when people start kind of getting back to their more, you know, kind of like their 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 previous baseline. Right. The numbers were going to we're going to kind of mellow out and, and back down, and they they didn't. Like we it, it kept on going up, and it's even crazier is after the expansion, it's gone up more. Which we thought the expansion would hit, we'd hit we hit a bubble, and then it would kind of settle down a little bit, and then you know we hit an equilibrium again. Right. It's pretty much it's pretty much consistently gone up every single week, um, up into up into the holidays. Actually, even 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 past the holidays, it's still technically going up. I mean, we're we're already three weeks past you know the new year, and it's still going up. So, I, I I'm I'm not good at forecasting population numbers. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and and do you think and and because I'm gonna give you uh, something, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you a complaint, right? This is what we're doing. Sure, would, sure. Uh, so like one Go thing that you know like I noticed, and I'm I'm more of those where I I, I love a good complaint, right? But I do like to perhaps have some sort of solution behind it. But, you know, in the case of like dungeon running, you know, one of the things I've noticed is like, you know, and it's interesting, like even if you have a bigger guild or whatever, I mean, if you take more than, you know, three or four people in a dungeon, you start steamrolling stuff. It's like, it's almost like, and, and I don't think it's maybe an Outlands problem, but you can speak more to it. But it's like, it doesn't really scale when you have like a mass amount of people. And then, yeah, it's like a Zerg, right? Just hitting one mob. But it's interesting to me. It's almost like the fundamentals of UO are challenged, right? In that case. Does that make any sense to you? Oh, yeah. We, we've definitely had people requesting doing scaling dungeons where either the, the, the monsters get harder when you have more players in there or you have um, the, the spawning goes, goes faster. Oh, and yeah, I'm, I, yeah I'm, I'm kind of resistant to do that just because I, I the, the concern is that players will just pick a dungeon and just stick with it, and then uh, the players will like, essentially lock down a place, and then just the, the the game will adapt to them, and then there's no real reason for players to spread out. Uh, which I, it's good and bad. I mean, we we have mechanics in place that that try to push players out to different dungeons. We have, I mean, obviously we have the regional regional bonuses that happen each week where right. all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, new new Sarah or even dungeons players kind of historically aren't really a huge fan of like uh like Darkmire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah we we push uh, players to do that to get into those dungeons. I think the real bottleneck right now is that what we have ten dungeons and when we built them, actually, well, okay, the a lot of the level one and two areas of our dungeons that we have right now, the stats on the monsters there were built during beta. Wow. So they okay. have, they have, yeah, they haven't scaled upwards to, like, I mean, obviously you have areas like um, Ossuary 4, you have Nucero, the kind of the east section of, of level three, you got um, Shadowspire. Those all reflect, 
areas that we've designed post-launch, knowing what players' power scales are and trying to adapt towards making them a little more challenging. A lot of the older dungeons, level level ones and two areas, still have you know like monsters like orc orc level monsters that are just not challenging. Right. And, and so that's one of our, one of the, the the three or four big things I'm going to be doing in the next few weeks. Here is my 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 goal for the for the new years is doing a giant overhaul of all the dungeons, trying to rebalance them so that there's there's actually more areas for players to spread out to that that are actually meaningful. Because right now I think you know it's if you ask anybody if they had to pick pick a dungeon to farm, most of them would pick those three areas probably you know Shadowspire or um Osiris 4 nobody's picking you know like the mausoleum level 2 <laughs> right like it's yeah unless it's, unless it's for, for novelty reasons or if there's a society job where they have to go to it and that's actually that's another mechanism we use to try to get players to I mean, the, the 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 jobs are randomized but they the jobs will send people to those other dungeons to you know do a do a job for killing you know reanimated or killing you know uh abominations or something some well, area they normally wouldn't and you can, and this is this is interesting from my perspective. Again, I'm just a normal player, but I've always felt like I only go to a dungeon because you know a, a society job or something like that. Because I feel like, and this is even on a you know Dexter was chivalry, so you know I take it for what it is. But I always felt like wilderness farming, and I'm gonna say it feels, but I always felt like it's faster, and I felt a little safer because I can move around. If a PK comes, I can usually get away. What is? How do you kind of balance those, or is that a common thought, or what do you think? It's 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 difficult because the yeah. So like the wilderness thing is kind of a double edged sword. It's the fact that you you can recall instantly, but at the same time you can also have people recall in to you instantly. Like you'll have PKs who will basically will essentially just do you know a a giant uh, uh, tracking or like a loop through all the POIs, point of interest areas, yeah, and just yeah, and hit up hit them all up. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it lends itself to to being easy to farm, but also at the same time it's kind of like a it, if you're gonna get killed, it's gonna happen real quick. So yeah. Also the same the same same token, it's a little easier for people to try to set up bots or to, to you know macros for that. So historically in the past, we've been kind of wary of making really lucrative overworld spots because people have houses nearby, most of them. Uh, you have people who can. It's much more easy to set up a script to create an automated farming character in an overworld spot because you can obviously you can gate to them, you can recall to them. Uh, but I think we, with the, we we tried with the uh, the expansion to create a decent number of, of overworld spots that are more lucrative, and people would actually get you know would would give a consideration to farming them versus a dungeon. I think we still, we definitely need to go back and re, just like I said for the for the dungeon overhaul rebalance, we need to do the same thing with our POIs for the existing ones. I mean, there's there's a lot of you know every every monster has a difficulty value if you yeah. use the animal lore. Yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, most players typically like to farm things anywhere from eighty to one hundred fifty. That's that's kind of the sweet spot of like where where the, the monsters are challenging and worthwhile. We got a lot of overworld POIs where the you know the, the difficulty level is like three to five, and nobody's gonna nobody wants to do that really. Well, I almost feel like too, like, like for instance, like Shadow Spire, like clearly you did a great job because the juice is plentiful, you know, stuff's dropping there all the time. It really encourages people to get in that dungeon. And I will say, I mean, and I've, you know, I've been in there PKing myself, like it's still a very contested zone where if you're on that first 
floor, I mean, you're on notice. It's not like just an easy free farming experience, you know, by any means. So yeah, I, I, I'd hope I'd like to see that kind of revamp. And I, and I almost think in my head conceptually, like dungeons should drop better loot. Again, this is just me spitballing. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's harder, right? You have to go restock. You have to take gold out. Now, didn't I hear something about like gold, the weight value? You guys were going to change something with that? There, there's been this, this constant dance back and forth. There's two issues that, that keep coming up. There's the the pack llamas or pack horses. <laughs> yeah. And gold values, and we we were, we got really close to pulling the trigger on doing a big change for um, make it was it was two things. It was kind of a twofold ch- change. It was going to be making pack animals gray in dungeons. Oh. So if you, if you yeah, so that uh, so th- that would be a, a giant risk reward factor, which I, mean, I don't know how many people would probably do it. I think it would probably get more people in guilds would probably be a little bit more. You know, willing to 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 bring a pack horse in because they can defend it. But yeah, uh, the then the other thing was yeah, the changing the weight of gold and that one. I think, or I'm a little. I, I think at some point it's going to happen. We're still kind of kind of mulling it over. I think the, the biggest thing is I if we're going to increase the amount of gold players are pulling out of dungeons, I think we need to make sure we have the gold sinks in place to kind of offset that. Yeah, because we just because we would just leave it as is. I think the the top tier. Players are just going to accumulate a lot more gold, and it's if someone's going to sit. Honestly, like uh, we have players who it's it, the it's really interesting to see how players spend their gold because we have players we have some players who are <laughs> yeah. we have some players who are hoarders and literally don't spend their gold at all. They have these giant bank accounts. I won't say how much, but they have these giant bank accounts that that, that just seem to go, keep going up. They don't spend it. Uh, we got some players who are constantly broke. Uh, either because they are they are achiever types who like building multiple characters with different aspects. They like right. making different. They like um, you know investing investing different mastery chains. But then we have some people. And actually, then we have another set of people who will burn it on uh, deco. Like they'll actually either from the pavilion market spend the gold buying deco items, or they'll buy uh, rares from other people. But then we have another class of players who have one single template they like, often they're tamers, they have a tamer build that they've they've completely built out, they have a master chain that's pretty close to done or what they're happy with, and they just accumulate gold and they don't know what to spend it on. Yeah, no, I, I can yeah. and, and it's interesting, because like when I'm in, if I do a dungeon, I don't even loot the gold at this point, and, and it's not because I'm super rich, it's because I'd rather just save up the scrolls and the cores that I loot, because it, in in the end, I'm making more than having to run out, you know, at the minimum 10K. Maybe I can loot 15 or 25 camping, right? Maybe, but it, it makes no yep. sense to loot the gold to me. But it seems counterintuitive. I'm like, God, this feels, you know. It feels I, weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's, it, it's, yeah, it feels like, I mean, it's, it's, even I was kind of baffled when we first started seeing it happen. I'm like, what the heck? Like. I mean, I, I understand the concept, the fact that, you know, if you if you have a mental value of a master crafting diagram, I can get, you know, uh, X amount of money for it. And the weight of that is one stone. And I, I, I can talk <laughs> right. I, 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 yeah, everyone's doing everyone's doing mental calculus when they're doing the dungeon, you know, of what the weight, weight to value of everything is. And if they're farming fast enough with the power, you know, because we have we do have a bit of power creep. Like if players are able to fill up in 20 minutes a dungeon and they can basically get a large amount of value out of rare or special items. Yeah, make, dropping the gold makes sense. The, the issue is when if we change the value of gold 
where those players are basically just now if we're just giving them more gold to haul out of a dungeon what's going to happen to that gold is it going to be sunk somewhere or is it going right. to just sit somewhere so that's the thing we're trying to first uh, figure out is that we, we probably need to get some gold sinks and then determine what's a good pathway for that gold going somewhere versus just just inflating what already exists yeah gosh yeah i don't know it's a tough one because even at the minimum you know a, a junk scroll still 7k just for one no matter what you get you know so like that's why i always said well i'm just gonna keep the damn scrolls who cares or the, or even the you know what the shittiest core is still gonna be a better sure, value sure. than than the gold but which is funny I'll say which is funny because it's it, it back to what I said before is like we as staff, we're, we're not setting the prices on these items. Everybody's themselves determining what the value of all these special items are. And so it's really kind of hard to plan for us. Like we, we never expected that people would be dropping the golden dungeons because of the, you know, the, the perceived value of these other items. Wait, wait, to, you know, wait to value ratio. <laughs> right. it's, it's, so, it's so much more valuable to them. Like this is a, this is a, um, an outcome we did not really expect to happen at any point. Any point. So, well, and yeah. and I'm I'm absolutely against right the pack horses and dungeon. That just feels uh, it, it it. And this is my opinion. I feel like it goes against the core risk thing in UO. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. I mean, and, yeah, and, I, and I, yeah, but it's a tough one for you to solve because I I don't view it. I mean, obviously, I don't own the server or know people how much they have, but. I didn't even think about, well, it's the, you know, the gold issue. If people aren't going to be spending it while they're hauling out of dungeons, then you have this problem of, yeah, people just hoarding it and not actually recycling in the economy. True. Yeah. And then also, I mean, as, as a kind of weird side effect, the gold being left on the ground does actually kind of add a pathway for newer players to also catch up a little bit. Cause we, actually, I mean, there's like, if, if you, you know, like any of the, um, you have videos that people or like podcast or um, like streams, people will say, you know, okay, like, hey, if you're a new player, you can definitely go to a dungeon and some of the higher level dungeons. If you're willing to risk it, you can probably pick up some good amount of gold just by right. being a scavenger. So there is a weird sort of uh, unintentional benefit of it. I mean, it's kind of a weird trickle down, you know, effect that this, this sort of weird scenario creates, which I'm not saying we're, we're not, we're not going to make any changes just because of that. We're, we definitely want to address it. And we want to, look at the core reasons why this is a problem but yeah there, there are there are some weird sort of uh ecological side effects of what this what this is you know causing yeah and okay so we're gonna jump into and you kind of talked about it a little bit briefly the future plans for outland so we already talked about the dungeon revamp now does that include adding more levels to dungeons or you're just gonna make like levels one and two a little bit more interesting so yeah, so my, my, my as far as like plans for for Outlands, I, I right now I have like three or four kind of core things I'm work, I'm planning on doing within the coming weeks here, and one of them I definitely is is taking the existing content we have for dungeons, uh, primarily the level, levels one through three, and then rebalancing the difficulty on them. Owen's also working on a couple expansions like we have a Mausoleum Four, um, some additional parts and you know New Sarah's getting more stuff. Uh, I think Dark Myers getting some more stuff. Yeah, the plan is to. I mean, we the goal is at some point to have an ossuary for like level added on to every single dungeon that doesn't have one already. Uh, that gets close to Shadowspire level difficulty. Okay. But the, but I mean the, the that's gonna be a little bit more down the road just because we have to get built and it has to get it's 
the, the map stuff, and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the map integration stuff takes a little bit longer, but the immediate thing that I can work on is the actual dungeon difficulty rebalance, and that's something I can I can do within a week or two, probably. That's just, um, I think that that stuff's kind of kind of in my wheelhouse as far as I can I can I can tackle this stuff pretty pretty uh, easily, and I think we can we can we can do a good job on it. So. No, yeah, it's gonna be, it's, yeah. gonna be, it's, it's gonna be a two it's gonna be a two phase process. There's the media media difficulty stuff, and then there's gonna be the expanding and adding in like new creatures and new dungeon level stuff. Yeah, no, and I think that that's awesome. That totally makes sense. And you know, oh, I wanted to quiz you on something too, real quick, because oh, sure, this sure. is something that I'm very passionate about. I really enjoyed in UO. So someone told me when Outlands, and I think we may have even hashed it out. Gosh, it feels like eight years ago now. <laughs> you know, we um. Outlands had factions when it launched. Is that right? Yeah. So we, we actually shipped with pretty much the standard. I think we shipped with it. If we didn't ship with it, we pretty quickly added it with the standard Order Chaos factions. Uh, so and you just did Order Chaos, not like the True Brit, like Minax. Oh, yeah, correct. We, we, we did the kind of the classic faction, the original factions. Okay. It was Order and Chaos. Okay, now, because I, you know, it's it's really interesting to me um, because, you know, as a avid PvPer, I will say, you know, one thing that I, I tried out a few times, I tried the town struggle thing, and and I'm just gonna give you my my constructive criticism is, sure, sure. I think for a new player, it's cool that you don't lose things. But at the same time, and I'm saying this because I had a new player that I was helping out with PvP, and he tried the town struggles, and he was like, "Man, he's like, I didn't, I didn't really learn anything because he was like, it's a massive twenty person e boat rail fest, and like you have to, who can react fast enough and hear the call and like, <laughs> you know, press it, and and it, and it yeah, was like." Yeah. I kind of under and I kind of told them that going in. I'm like, it's good to learn maybe your hotkeys at best, but you know, I don't think you're really gonna hone in like actual PvP skills there. And I know there are many. There's many people that on um, the like Corpse Creek stuff too that are very much completionists that like grinding for points. They like because there are some. I mean, you guys have done really nice rewards, you know, for these type of events. I get it, but for me, I'm like, I just. I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like very exciting for me. And I kind of thought, again, complaint with maybe a solution. I thought, well, the only organized PvP, you know, that was not like PK versus blue, whatever, was the the actual factions itself. Like, man, that was, I mean, damn, that was almost a game within itself. How complicated and like hot and heavy that, you know, got now what is your opinion on that kind of factions so the I mean, I mean, there's okay so if you're talking about the, the traditional uh osi factions where you have the you have the four four factions yes the, you know, my, my next and yeah uh tributanians and then each one had a base they had to control right I, I at its core i think it's interesting but i think there's there's issues with it because it kind of the the way I described that is whack-a-mole because you have the sigils and it, you have these things you have to capture, but then as soon as it's captured, you can immediately capture back, or you have people sort of just sitting on bases. So it ends up becoming kind of whack-a-mole, which I, I think I think I mean I, when it existed, I think that was a, a unique thing that didn't hadn't existed before, and people had fun with it. But 
from my experience from other free servers and you know since then i think that sort of mechanic where you're just all day long it's always on that thing kind of loses its luster we actually tried uh, when i was working on rel poor we had a, a militia system where players would try to you know take over town bases yeah and it was always on i was always on and people liked it for a while but then they, they kind of got burned out because it was, it was this always on system where as soon as you you know took over a base and and captured it you want to go off and do something else and then as soon as you go off you know i, I want to either you either either sit and wait for a while to see if somebody shows up if nobody shows up you're like okay that was kind of boring i'm gonna go do something else as soon as you leave somebody else comes over takes it over back from you and you're like oh okay well i'll come back and do it and you know and then you go back and forth and it becomes kind of like a whack-a-mole well uh, I, I, i'm gonna give you another perspective perhaps and you know, I've, I I think at least, and I'm going to give you my relative uh, opinion on, you know, I played factions and hybrid, to be honest with you. that That's where I played the most sure. of it as. And those players, they almost exclusively did, and this is probably because it was always on, like you're saying, but they were exclusive, like, faction players. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't even, I never saw that type of player rarely, like, you know, PK, they did, a, a, maybe they had a red faction here, but that's pretty extreme. But most of them just played that because of it. I almost can envision, to counter your point, what if you did something a little bit more temporary, kind of like what you have now with Town Struggles, because, and, and I truly believe this, when you scale like, you know, hell, I don't know, these massive, let's just say 15 on 15, I feel like it stretches the UO mechanics that, you know, it, it's just the game's almost not really designed for that scale of combat, in my opinion. What's your take? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's I was actually so as far as the upcoming things for all lands. Uh, so, like I said, there's pretty much like three or four things that are been kind of our goals. One was the the dungeon expansion stuff. Uh, one of them was actually, I mean, Bomberman was one that came out uh, or we're close to on. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm actually doing in the middle of a giant PvP overhaul of systems. Uh, one of them is uh, we actually have a handful of people who've been posting a lot in the forums about it. We have a Corpse Creek channel or a Corpse Creek forum where people are posting all of their feedback on what are existing issues with their PvP events, what are things that they like to see, what are things that worked in other systems in the past that they like to see here. And I have a pretty good, at least starting point, of things that I want to try out as far as to address some of those issues. Uh, one of them being, obviously, there's the issue with town struggles and we're and those have been kind of a, a victim of their own popularity. The fact right. that we have, we, the fact that we do have some town struggles during prime time events or prime time uh, periods where you can literally have you know like a twenty versus twenty or a thirty versus thirty <laughs> right. battle, battle going on at the bank, which is fun in some cases, but yeah, overall I don't think it actually works probably well for balance. Uh, so one of the approaches I originally was going to try to just straight up do well. Par part of the balance also is the fact that the the it's it's team based, so, which I mean we we technically call the call the teams factions because you, right. you do have an order order team and a chaos team. Yeah, but um the one of the plans is to try to do an ELO style value where each player has a essentially a combat value showing how effective they are at the events, and then try to every 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 events rebalance on ELO so the teams are balanced in terms of equal number of players of of equal skill levels. But I think also at this point, we're probably going to need to try to have multiple town struggles going simultaneously, where right. if the number of people is over, let's say, 24. So if you, have, if, you, if you had more than a 12 versus 12, 
it would split it off into being a six and six and a six and six, and then have to have simultaneously two different towns going, or sometimes three towns going. Yeah, because so the... like as a as an avid PvP, I can tell you, you know, to me the smaller scale battles are some of the more fun ones. Like even even six is is pushing it, but still, I would rather take that because even in that situation, someone isn't like because here's the reality, right? Like I mean, even if you're not a PvPer. I mean, fifteen e bolts. You know, you're not healing through. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's instant death. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. There's a, there's a threshold where no matter how many people, yeah, once you, once you hit a certain number of players all sinking, it's not going to matter what you do. No matter how good of a healer you're, you're, or you know how how good you can call heals out and stuff, it's not going to matter. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think there's something to be said for trying to keep them at a manageable level. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, th I think mostly when you get to more manageable levels, you have players actually learning a little bit more about PvP when they're not just in a giant wave of people. The the downside though, and this is I'm this is one of the one of the reasons I was a little reticent to do it. I, I'm we're gonna have to see how it turns out. But when you randomize players as far as teams teams go, yeah, you do have issues with throwing people into because you basically you pretty much need to have a voice chat as far as calling as far as organizing. You can definitely play it with it where you just do party chat, but most people feel like they have to have some sort of voice chat for for calling and everything else. And when you randomize teams and throwing people into a random group of people, you're going to have cultural issues, you're going to have language issues, you're going to have personality issues. And I'm very curious to see how that pans out if it's going to be if it's going to if it's going to be more of a problem than it's worth. We'll see. I I'm definitely willing to try it, but yeah, I'm 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 curious of whether that sort of a solution will work. Well, and and another, I guess another way for you to think of this, right? Um, a pro of having a system always on is like in factions, I could catch a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, one-on-two every day of the week, and I don't really need, you know, voice communication at all, right? Where in like a town struggle, when I try to do a few, and I'm an avid PvPer, I felt a little bit intimidated at times. Where I'm like okay, well, where do I spawn? Like, how the hell do I do that? You know, it was like there was a significant learning curve. And then like when you're in voice, like it's most people, I will say, are not very like, well, just easily mic up. Like I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And I think it can be really off-putting, which is, again, this is what I think. We see the same like, you know, let's say dominant guild in Corpse Creek, right? Or the same town struggle people, you know, consistently dominating because the the barrier of entry for a brand new person is fairly high, you know, and I don't know. Sure. Well, that's also one of the other concerns I had about is when when I when you split the the teams into small groups, each individual person has a has a much bigger weight in how much they affect the actual outcome of the events. So if you have new players being tossed into a group of, you know, let's say five people versus like a new player being tossed into a group of twenty people, uh, they feel there's less there's less pressure in that one person to perform if yeah. they're in a group of you know 10, 20 people, than if they're now suddenly tossed into a group of five versus five. So there's gonna be there's gonna be pros and cons to it. I'm I, like I said, I'm I'm willing to try it and see how it pans out. There's gonna be uh, probably some growing pains to whatever we end up doing, and we'll see if it makes sense to keep it. But um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of 
personal factors that go into it beyond just actual mechanical stuff, which I can't control the the voice chat stuff. I can't control people's you know psychological feeling of you know, <laughs> yeah. What, am I now I'm now a random person on a team full of people and like I, my, I have to carry my own weight now versus just being able to run along in a giant horde of people. There's a there's a psychological factor that changes with that. So it's okay. I'd be curious to see. And, and you know, and there's almost. Very separate side of PVPers because there's a lot of, you know, PKs that never do the organized stuff. So do we have any PVP changes for the, I'll just call it the overworld PK kind of deal coming up? Uh, so, yeah, to get back to your, the, the always on PVP, you know, the idea, uh, I've been talking with a handful of people. We've actually had a, on staff, we've been kind of pitching a bunch of different kind of conquest, conquesty slash control events. Okay. Uh, that are either always on or more available to because obviously our, our our PvP events are on a rotating window where at the start of the hour it goes it it starts and it lasts for half hour, which means that there's a half hour window where people aren't really they don't have a, a dedicated event to do. Plus, because of the the way the events are scheduled, uh, some player might like town town or town struggles, but they don't like doing Corpse Creek or they don't like yeah. doing Stygians. So there's there's gonna be more gaps where some people are just like they don't have an event that speaks to them. Uh, so one of the plans we're, we're gonna try to do is um, we've we've been kind of pitching the name around. But skirmishes is one of the the working ideas, but the the last like twenty minutes of every hour we have some sort of an overworld type control event where you have either at, at a point of interest or um, potentially some new areas. But the but gen- general kind of like control that mimics what you had for the old factions for OSI. Like a or, shrine yeah, or something, you control. Yeah, more, yeah. more or less. Yeah, so like, I mean, you might have something where we have like a uh, a desert camp. One of our POIs is this desert camp. Yeah. So you might have random POI uh, control events where for twenty minutes players are fighting over this camp, trying to control it. And yeah, so that that becomes more of a that'd be uh, cool. Kind of a, yeah. And then and then Owen's Owen wants to do a sort of an overworld map. Uh, Gump, or you know, for a for a menu that shows all of the possible locations, and then a little icon showing which, um, showing which guild controls it. So that, that and the, the idea is it would be that you'd have like a, a rotating collection of these uh, control zones that when you control it, you'll control it for a day, and then every hour, you know, at the last twenty minutes of the hour, a new one pops up, and you're it's it's a rotating schedule of you know anywhere from how how often we have them. If it's every twenty, if it's if we have like you know, let's say, let's say hypothetically there's 24 different control areas yeah. possible. So each guild, if you if you if you win that control point, you would basically have control of it for 24 hours. You get certain bonuses from it. Uh, you get certain reward points kicked in for various things. But um, basically, the idea is you have a sort of overworld dynamic PvP event happening every every hour. So for the last 20 minutes of the hour, you have a place where you can go and do a kind of a like I said, classic OSI style faction control events where people are fighting over some sort of a um, terrain feature. Uh, we, we haven't we haven't gotten super far in depth in it, but that, that that is the goal is to try to give some people this. It's not always on, but it's 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 often enough where you can more or less expect it to, to be available for you for a good chunk of your online time. Well, and I gotta say, enough- you you broke my heart with saying you didn't like factions, but. You kind of you turned it around because I actually really like this idea of because uh, this is this is my take you know maybe it's a hot take I don't know I love Overland 
you know, PvP, PKing, whatever. Whether you're blue or red, although I do think being a red, you're at a significant disadvantage. But in any case, I feel the reason I like it is because it is different every single time. When I go out, you know, in the field or I go out to PK, whatever the interaction I'm going to seek, it's never on rails. You know what I'm saying? It's not, the, it's, it's something sure, different. Sure. And like something like that where you could say, hey, you know, desert camp, we got to control this point. And like, you can be, you know, attacked from any side and then there might be multiple people fight. Like that actually sounds really cool because of the like open worldness of it. I don't feel like one guild could like just completely dominate it. You know what I'm saying? Because there'd be multiple things happening, mobs or whatever. Like that sounds very, in- I would really be curious how that plays out. That, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I think there's, there's there's a handful of kind of benefits from doing that. I think the fact that we can, I mean, there's, well, first off, we've had some complaints from people saying that the the POIs, the point of interest, there's not enough reasons to for them to exist. I mean, obviously yeah. we have some we have some farming spawns with them. Uh, a lot of treasure maps and various kind of like map mechanics will you know filter people there. But people have been asking for you know I'd like for there to be more reasons why I would visit these overworld locations. And I think having a giant collection of these sort of control points where players are now all of a sudden, you know, like at, at some sort of a, you know, like the desert camp or some sort of a, uh, like a giant waterfall area. Yeah, people fighting over them. I think that would introduce a lot of unique elements because each one of those POIs has a completely different set of terrain, set of, you know, if you're trying to defend it, there's different factors you have to consider. Like you said before, like the desert camp, there's, I mean, it's it's in the middle, of, it's it's open. So people can yeah. attack you from anywhere, anywhere. But if you're at some place where it's like a, you know, like a, uh, a guardhouse or something where you know where people are going to come from, or you know when, when they attack you. It's, these are the, these are the choke points. These are the places we have to consider. I think having a lot of different locations adds to the diversity of what sort of combat you're going to end up with. And, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give an idea, okay? And because I know the whole you know being red is very punishing thing. I, I think is real. I think that that's accurate, right? It would be cool to say at, at such as one of these events, if you're a red, like, I don't know, you get 1.5 times the points or, you know, something to encourage perhaps reds to come out and follow me here. Because as a red, like if I die, well, I'm out of the game, you know, for I don't even know how it would work, but let's just say I'm out of the game for 15 minutes or whatever it is. The real consequences, as opposed to a blue, well, I'm just gonna get to the healer, restock, and I'm bolting back in there. It'd be kind of cool to see how you guys do that, and maybe even encourage reds. I don't know. Well, okay. So the, the, the if we if if we implement any sort of control system like that, we, we have to natively add some sort of a notoriety flagging thing where player if players want to participate in the events, they're gonna have to be able to you know flag to somebody else pretty much somehow. Okay. Either through either through having I mean like we've we've had people toss out like global having it being global war, or we can just have it where we have because we have things for like Corpse Creek where you, you have an actual toggle in your settings for right. your guild settings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether or not you participate in participate in events if you if you show up at those locations, we can do a similar thing where if yeah if you show up at this location at this time, you're going to get flagged as being part of the events. Uh, and, and we can easily set it where if reds show up and they're they're set to be participants, they get flagged as orange to everybody else. As long as they don't actually attack a non-participant, that's going to be the biggest caveat. We, we don't want this to be a scenario where you know all of a sudden. Reds are basically giving free free reign to tech blues who are just nearby, not doing anything. 
Yeah, that's true. Which we, we've had a, that was also an issue with dungeon dungeon flashpoints was we, we set it up so that reds can participate so they can it, they can show up and as long as they don't attack random people who are just farming they're okay they they shouldn't have to worry about the stat lo- or um shouldn't have to worry about getting you know a timer yeah uh, know, yeah. yeah yeah getting a death penalty for 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 dying and that, that, yeah that, that we would definitely create something like that where it allows reds to participate because it's yeah it's 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 something that's the more people we can get in PvP events the better so there's. I don't see any reason why we we would try to like keep reds out of that. Okay, I like it. And then I know this is you know maybe beating a dead horse. I don't care. I'm gonna ask you anyway. What's <laughs> what's the hot take on you know reds lockout timers? Is that being even looked at remotely considered? Uh, I, I yeah, people keep bringing that up. I I still think for the most part it's actually pretty. Okay, so you're talking about the the global ones, the dungeon ones. Yeah, which... like the two hour lockout, right? Okay. I don't know. I, I, we have ten dungeons. We have the actual global one, which is the one where you know overworld and in in general dishonored stuff. I don't. I I, I don't see any reason to really change that. Uh, the if you if you if you die a dungeon, there's there's nine other dungeons to go to. Like what's and all the dungeons are packed too. So it's not like it's not like there's only like three dungeons in the game where you can find people to PK. There's people everywhere. So if you, yeah, I, I think that if we had a different sort of social or population setup, I, I'd be a little more willing to you know entertain changes in that. But I think right now we're at a point where there's so many people possible to kill. Having those restrictions in place isn't that, even that much of a restriction for a lot of people, if you really think about it. No, and I respect your answer, and I know I get frustrated by it because it happens to me. But I wanted to ask you because I feel like sometimes you don't get a – platform to answer it where everyone can like hear the same response you know what i'm saying it might be trickling discord sure, or sure. whatever yeah. but it's good to see to hear the rationale because i know you know oh, i get frustrated like oh well damn now i'm locked out there for two hours but i don't really think well damn there's nine other dungeons yeah so it, it's yeah. a very good counter you had so no i appreciate you being honest on that and, and, that and, 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 and well i don't think it's i, I do i do so the, the, the counter to that usually gets presented is people say, you know, I I had my red, I was trying to go to a to a contested boss, or I was trying to um, help out a guild with a raid or something else on a boss, or defend my guild. But the problem is that it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a gray area where what sort of solution would we would we do that just doesn't end up with people? Because one of the reasons we had, we ended up end up doing the the whole dishonored thing, is it's very it's very possible for reds to go back to a dungeon. And actually, and either harass people or grief people. Because if you if you die, usually you're mad. You, you, yeah. you, you don't you don't want to die. And and people, and this is just from our personal experience. A huge chunk of the people who returned to dungeons when they died was to to try to mess with the people who killed them. And not necessarily even even in a you know normal manner. It's more of just like me- trying to trying to screw up their whatever they're they're playing and doing. Just trying to screw with them. Yeah. So that was one of the main, the main reasons why we just decided to, you know, initially lo- do a full lockout where you can't really interact with people in that dungeon anymore because you're probably going to, you know, just mess with them in a different way other than attacking them. Well, and I feel like that that's not even a fair counter because, yeah, like, I mean, I, you know, if I'm going to a contested boss, I'm not bringing a damn red. I have a blue character that specifically I will go in there, so I flag orange, and I'm just fighting... Well, I mean, obviously a blue could attack me, but, you know, I'm, for the most part, I'm fighting orange on orange, right? And I have, that's my main goal. 
Well, the thing is, we do have. I mean, I, I get a lot of complaints from people who do try to do contested bosses with reds. Which, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I, I think that doing that's probably not the smartest thing to do. You, you have a very, very easy option to take a PvP character that's a blue right. and go do them. But we do have people saying, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to bring a contested boss to a red. So I, I, I want to accommodate them, but at the same time, it's, it's difficult because people, people. I mean, some people say, oh yeah, make the whole dungeon gray while the contested boss is going on, and then it's like, well, now you're bringing people who are just farming into it and now they're being attacked and like it's it's have you ever thought of an hour instead of two like where did the two come from um i think that the so the original idea was that most players the, the, the original lockout concept was that if you get killed or okay if you're if you're a pk and you get killed it usually means that somebody defended themselves or somebody came and stopped you after you attacked somebody else right uh and it, with that concept, that means that somebody you were you affected somebody else as the PK. You you actually came there and attacked somebody, did something else. And two hours seems like a pretty. I think the average player playing Outlands. I mean, this is probably about UO in general. But the average player playing Outlands yeah. probably plays for about two hours. That's a, we consider that to be a play session. So that so my idea was that if somebody if you kill a PK, they should be locked out of that dungeon for two hours, which basically means the person you were messing with doesn't have to deal with your your ass for the next two hours during their play session they can they can do their farming uh log off and be done and then that's probably a, a, a good a good from my mind it was a good metric of that's the proper amount of time to block somebody from that dungeon because like i said there's 10 other dungeons you can literally i mean i don't think anybody I, I haven't seen anybody do it but but go from one dungeon to the next over and over again getting getting you know killed as a, as a red I don't think I've ever seen anybody get locked out of all dungeons. Like it's not really something that happens. So that, that's a all... good. So that's a very good counter, then, Luthius. I would almost say, yeah. Has anyone ever done that? Because that would be. I don't. I, <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen it. I think I think somebody may have as a joke did that, but like. It, it, <laughs> I don't. I don't think anybody has the mental fortitude to, to die and and not rage quit after let's say like the fourth or fifth time. Like I, right. I don't think. We'll, yeah. So, okay. No, uh, I won't beat that point to death. But no, that was a good. Yeah, that, that was a good conversation for sure. Because I, I do yeah. think it well, gets brought up a lot. Yeah. Even so, you have, you have the global the global timer, which is fifteen minutes. And so that, that, that if you're if if you literally just do them straight up math, that that that's you know eight of them is two hours for for that. So it's, it technically you you really couldn't even if you wanted to. But I haven't seen anybody push it to the point where they're at like even more than like four or five. And legitimately that, trying, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without <laughs> without without doing it as essentially I'm I'm throwing a red player naked. Right. And just, just dying. <laughs> just to just to, to mess with people. That's you're yeah. not gonna see a legit PK actually do a full cycle or even close to probably half of one. So that's kind of my counterpoint. I know people don't like people don't like having downtime of not being able to tax somebody else, but I think they still need to put it in the perspective of what the overall server health is, and and now everybody thinks that oh, whenever I'm PKing somebody, I'm 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 just adding experience to the game. I'm adding flavor. Not always. Everybody don't. Like, a lot of people don't feel that way, which is which is fine. But I think the the possibility of a person repeatedly killing somebody and potentially. You know, like griefing off the server is is a issue without having some sort of a timeout type. No, even and, if it's minimal. Uh, I'll give a hot take, right? I mean, 
Outlands is not a primarily a PvP server, in my opinion. Okay, don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> no, no, that's that's, that's, a, val- that's a valid. That's a valid. valid <laughs> right. Point. So it's like you know when I play Outlands, I realize that you know for better or for worse, and I think it's for better because I have more targets. But I I totally realize that the changes, the content is based on PVM for people to grind, to do their aspect, to do gold, whatever. The PKing is, I, I think, tasteful, but that's how I grew up. I do think it's it's needed because it gives that risk-reward, but I'll say if you have too many PKs, then you have this you know overspill where it's just a complete disaster where everyone's killing anyone that moves and there's no repercussions right because oh yeah we, we actually i mean after our first like maybe nine months or so uh we had a massive problem with just the sheer amount of pks that were happening <laughs> well, there, 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 were, there were there were two major problems we had the, a, a giant pk problem and we had a giant scouting problem you had people scouting in dungeons with ghosts or with hiding players or just just all of our kind of end game low content was being scouted in some some fashion right and those two things, when we made some major changes to both of them, our population went up I mean, almost instantly. It started going up. Like we, I mean, at one point, I mean, I don't remember how low it got. I mean, it probably lowest might have been like 800 or something, or maybe a little lower at one point. But yeah, I mean, it, over the period of about three or four months after we made changes to the the ghost handling and or for scouting handling and uh, doing the, the the overhaul PK handling with the restrictions and the um, the um, I'm trying to think. Um, disability to, to repent, that right. sort of stuff. Uh, our numbers went up about, I mean, like 500 to 600. I mean, at a time, that's, that's, we, our, it was it was a gigantic jump in players because people felt that they actually could get a foothold in a dungeon. They weren't being routine, you know, repeatedly res killed, not res killed, but like they killed, they griefed almost in a sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something. I think there's a psychological issue, or there's a if you kill a PK and you that you see them come back in five minutes to, to mess with you again, there's a giant psychological barrier saying, okay, this is this is like what's my point? What's the point of me even trying to fight PKs or do anything? This this guy's just gonna come back and kill me again, or I'm have to right. keep dealing with them. I think the fact that if you can, you know, if you, if you can address a PK and then they have to move somewhere else for you know a little while, that gives players the the sort of you know the they, they feel that they actually can make a foothold somewhere. Well, and I'm going to counter it too with, and, and I stream this, and I, I think I'm the only one that does this, and it's I, I think it's hilarious. Now, granted, I only do this a couple times a week. It's not like I'm doing it, <laughs> you know, relentlessly. But you know, we'll get I'll get 10, 15 people in the Shadow Spires PKs, and we just instantly e-bolt someone that recalls in. And you know, I think it's the <laughs> I laugh about it now. I think it's the funniest thing you know I've ever seen. It's just so outrageous that you know. But at the same time. We can only stay in that first level of shadow for so long before we're flushed out or, you know, blues come in. So, you know, yeah, you know, I may, we may kill five, 10 people in that short 20, 30 minute burst. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's really a tiny blip on the radar, right? You know, it's not like someone's game's impeded, like, oh my God, this guy's sitting at the gate, (laughs) you know, for eight hours, just killing everybody, you know? Yeah, I think because I mean, I've I played servers where like, I mean, like there's I mean you've you've played a lot of other free servers. There's I mean like Shame Dungeon usually ends up being kind of the Shame Shame and Distard usually are the ones that kind of become the go-to ones. Right. Yeah. And you, you'll get you'll get PKs who will 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 camp 
you know the the actual entrance or the, or in some cases the like the gate if they have if they have gates and I mean you'll have people who will just literally all day long stay there and kill everybody who shows up yeah and it'll 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 affect the population it's I'm not saying it's it shouldn't ha- it shouldn't be allowed to do that but like people have to realize that sort of stuff if it's continuously allowed or if it's your you know your setup where there's really no you know kind of counter. It does actually have an effect long term on the population. So well, and and two, you know, I, gosh, man, and I think sometimes people are just they can't put it in perspective. Where I'm like, okay, why don't you create a shard? You have three thousand people, let's say thirty five hundred, which, by the way, we've really never seen before on a free shard, right? And you manage that problem because, like, I feel like on one side the PKs are like, well, I want this ultra hardcore experience when in fact yeah if you had that no one would be farming because it's just what a thousand pks are relentless you know it just it doesn't work right like in and mm-hmm. I, and i'll say in 2022 now i do believe that most people they want to farm 100 percent. it's quite obvious they want a little bit of risk right where yeah they may you know complain or you know send you a message out oh, this is broke, but in reality now, it's just a healthy amount of risk. But at the same time, you can't tip, you know, the, the car too much in the PK's favor, even though it feels very brutal sometimes on the field when I'm fighting and it's like, you know, we can kill 10 blues, but golly, if one of us drop, well, damn, we're out for 15. You know, it, it, it is a significant risk for us, you know, as opposed to the blue. So I, I wish sometimes the blues would, you know, or maybe some of that complaints about PKs would understand that fact too, that it is extremely punishing. And yeah, like there's real consequences if we die, you know? Sure. Sure. I, I think, I think you still have to kind of look at it from an Eagle, Eagle eye perspective. Cause like, it, you know, when, when a, when a PK dies, that they're locked up for 15 minutes, you do have to kind of also factor in from the top level, that that PK, PK pretty likely killed several people before they died, and that's usually. I mean, you'll have you'll have runs where you 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 know you don't, you don't kill anybody, but like yeah, pr- probably in most cases you've killed several people, and in most cases those people probably lost 15, 20 minutes worth of work minimum. They lost the gold that they or the the equipment they brought with them. Um, the actual net amount of technical like loss that is that is accounted for per pre- PK death. When you look at it from a total perspective, I don't know. I I, I still don't feel that having a 15-minute lockout is that much considering when a single PK can basically wipe out hours worth of aggregate work amongst other players. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, again, I'm not... And let's just say from a population standpoint, you know, and I tell people that, you know, they complain about it. I'm like, okay, you show me another shard with 3,500 people that do not have any PK restrictions. Right, and it's like, yeah, well, well, that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's been, a, I mean, there's been, a, I mean, I mentioned before that you know, within the this early or late summer, early fall, there's been a, a handful of new servers, and I don't think the ones that were geared towards being hardcore experiences where they're like, yeah, we're not going to moderate anything, we're going to try to cater to hardcore PVPers. And I don't, I mean, to be honest, I don't think any of them are super successful, at least in terms of the metrics no, we're kind of used to, no. we're kind of used, used to you know, for population numbers and stuff. That's not to say there isn't, there isn't a, there isn't a place for them, but I think people are starting to realize now that sometimes like 
catering directly to PvP player base. It, it's the it's the wolves versus sheep sheep argument. Like you have you can't just have all wolf, all wolves. Right. <laughs> and and I, I think PKs are probably starting to realize now, hopefully at least, that it's worthwhile for them to have some restrictions in place if it means that they have way more people to farm. Like I mean, like right now you can literally in Outlands go anywhere and kill somebody. Any, at any point, I mean, at, at four in the morning, you can find people to PK. Whereas I've played servers in the past where I've I've, I've played PKs before and I've run through like four or five dungeons finding nobody. Yeah. And this that sort of like I'm just like I, I just wish there was a person to kill. And there, there's a reason why that sort of equal equilibrium gets set up where you, you know, if you if you push too hard on the giving P, PVP players or PK players too much freedom. The, the sheep don't want to stay around, and yeah, it's... Well, and I, I find I, it wild, even, you know, hell, 20 years later, it's the same problem. You know, no matter if it's a different map, like you guys have a completely custom map, right? It, it's the same issue that has been going on, you know, since the inception of UO, is how do you solve that problem, you know? Oh yeah, and it's. I mean, I, I took us several tries to get to a point where I think what we have right now works. It's both both the PK situation and both the PVP situation. I, I, I've described this before to people. Our, our the setup we have is not ideal, but it, I think it's it's no, nobody's going to think it's it's their favorite set. There's their their favorite rule set or their favorite system of any server they've played. However, I think it's a we've we've set up a, a balance where enough people think that this is either good enough or fun enough to play that everybody can stick around and, and actually in aggregate have fun doing things. This isn't their favorite like PvP rule set as far as like, you know, like a lot of people like UOR or people like T2A specifically. Uh, some people like the, the, the PvP penalties from like, I mean like Rob Poor where we had the turn in your head system. Some people like that, <laughs> yeah, right. like, like, that like that better. I mean, I, I coded that. And um, But the thing is, is that I think what we've got for a balance allows the most people to stick around and play and having people to inter interact with. Um, I mean, be, be, being able to PK whenever you want, literally, and having people around is, is so much more fun, probably, than having a server where you're you're just, like, desperate trying to find people to even kill right. as a concept. So that's just, well, that's just my, kind of, my yeah, kind of thought on it. No, and I completely agree. But you have to, again, know what you're getting into before, right? Like, Outlands isn't marketed as super hardcore pvp we're only the elite of the elite you know ebol right that's not the demographic or the market that so you have to know that going in and i viewed it as i just adapt to it right like okay i know i got 15 minutes sure, sure. you know and like for instance i'll go to a lawless zone you know go to the demon keep maybe i can find a fight there during my 15 minute you know there's there's just other things too you can do you know where you can farm in that 15 minutes like you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I could certainly, you know, complain about it, but 15 minutes isn't, you know, I feel like it's a, it's long enough, but it's not like 30 or 45 or way too punishing. So I feel like it's, yeah, you know, I've I, I kind of I thought, it, I mean, I, I, I never really got into these games that much. I mean, Overwatch is the only one I actually kind of played, but like the whole sort of like the, um, the battleground type thing where once you get, you get killed, you're limited and you have to wait for a respawn. And you know the match is going to be anywhere from five, ten, fifteen minutes, you know, left over time. Right. I I, I kind of viewed it as that, where like you, you basically got eliminated and you have to wait for a fifteen minute reset. Um, that being said, though, I mean PvP has been one of our issues that I think in general we have been kind of underserving our players on uh, for quite a while. We, we've and that's 
we are doing a a kind of I'd say a reboot, but we we're definitely trying to address those issues of the community. We want to start making more PvP events that people can do. Uh, that the idea of having it more always on or at least like like I said before, the last twenty minutes of an hour type of thing where like yeah. probably it, at minimum, 33% of your time on Outlands, there is a contestable type event you can go do in addition to the PvP events that are happening hourly, start of the hour. Um, the idea that, yeah, if you're, if, even if you're a red that gets in timeouts, there's something you can do somewhere or, or jump into or, you know, you're... You're obviously you're 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 fighting people who are expecting you to be fighting, which is a little bit different. But I think that that yeah. having some having some sort of a PvP thing you can do at any given time is important, and we really want to address that. So that's one of our focuses coming up for the next few weeks and months here. So where does someone go to voice their opinion about that or submit ideas? Uh, so we have obviously there's the, um, the Corpse Creek uh, forum we have. Okay. The, the the sub forum uh we have a pvp channel I, I i think part of the part of the one of the biggest problems is that we have so many players i mean discord we usually have anywhere from 3000 to 3500 3500 people all ch- talking and some of our channels <laughs> yeah. some of the channels uh they populate so fast with 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 um with with conversation that we really can't read everything in it and people will will still tag me on stuff, and it's it's hard sometimes to go back and the real scroll. Tag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So really, I think the best bet is to um, either private message me. You can private message Owen. I mean, I'm probably the best person to to do for that because it'll, it'll it'll get filtered back to me anyways. But I think having a thought out, either you know, either in in a uh, written form, either you know, make make a make, make a post in the forums, and either you know, te- uh, send me a link to it, or send me a message that you kind of sit and think about it a little bit, and kind of you know, plan out what you want to say versus just a sort of gut you know gut reaction saying this sucks, you know, fix it, <laughs> right. which, 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 which happens a lot, which, and I get that, and I try to you know, I try to make make use of it what I can, but. <laughs> But yeah. honestly, yeah, the best ways the best ways to get changes done in Outlands is to have a discussion in one of those channels and try to get sort of either a consensus or at least make kind of uh, soundboard your idea amongst other people. And if it sounds like there's something that that, that if it's if it sounds like an idea that could probably have some have some footing, send me a message with here's my my idea. I get an awful lot of people sending me Google Docs of here's my thoughts in writing. Wow. Of, but this is perfect. That, for me, that's that's wonderful because people have they they thought it out. They probably reviewed it a little bit and kind of you know after they you know they did a rough draft and reviewed reviewed it and right. and I, I get that all the time for uh, like farming and like tamers and people for aspects and things. That's great. And, um, I get it for PvP too now, which is I, I've I've gotten off and on over the you know over the years, but like now there's there's a you know there's there's a giant push from people trying to. Uh, fine-tune things like like the riffs, fine-tuning how Corpse Creek's working, the, the flashpoints, and yeah, that's I think that's the best way to do it is just have some sort of a written out little snippet rather than just a kind of a one-off comment on something. Um, it, it definitely shows shows me that also that you are you you are mentally invested in it too. Maybe not mentally invested, but you put some you, you put some you put some thought into it. You rather than it being this kind of a, you know this was a knee jerk reaction to something I experienced where I, I got killed at this event doing doing this one thing, so change that. 
Um, which, again, sometimes that, that's completely valid, but uh, you'd be surprised at how many sort of weird weird takes we get on certain things from players who have a reaction to something and then send me a message saying, I, this thing happened to me, fix it. Gosh, you and, know, thinking about that, you could probably create a either YouTube or, gosh, you even write a book and just redact the names and just go over some of the most outrageous, you know, Discord <laughs> DMs you've gotten. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> some of the bizarre stuff we've gotten. But, but, but that being said, we have a gigantic amount of players who have a, like, a, who are, are, are fully invested and they really want this stuff to work. They want, um, you know, they want um, imbalances in the PvP fixed in terms of, you know, what what events aren't working correctly, or what what could be more sm- smoother? Uh, what sort of things are we lacking? What part of the you know the actual yeah. PvP mechanics PvP mechanics themselves probably need to get tweaked? And yeah, I, I, I appreciate all that stuff. No, that's awesome. That's why I asked. Yeah, so people have an actual outlet, you know, that they can, you know, submit honest, you sure. know, yeah, yeah, feedback and and stuff like that. So yeah. okay. I'll say anytime you see it, okay, so I'll, I'll, in the, the, the general announcements Discord, whenever I do a testing patch or something, I pretty much always tell people, if you have feedback, your best bet option is to P, is to PM me directly. Cause yeah. I, cause I, if it's also I, the other benefit too of, of messaging me directly is the fact that I have it in writing in a sort of a, um, a timestamped, like um, I, I can always go back to that. If something's in, and we'll get people, you know, p- pitching ideas in the general PvP channel or ships channel or something else. If it's just sitting in that sort of giant scroll of stuff, <laughs> yeah. Like, like there, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to go back and look at that and see what. I, mean, I, I can, I can copy and paste it when it, when I, when I read it the first time. But that once that's, you know, once that's just, just kind of written out there, I'm not going to be able to come back and see that because we. I mean, we, well, I wish Discord had a thing where it was like if you're tagged, it could jump to where you were tagged. Right. Well, you can't. You can, but the thing is, is that like I'll get tagged by thirty people in a day, and <laughs> once I get once once I get once I get tagged, by the time I actually get back to the you know once I'm actually able to to, to read that, there's been I mean like like thousands of messages that have happened since that tag. So the 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 the, the conversation is long past. So like if somebody sends me a private message about something, it, it's easier to have a conversation back and forth rather than jumping into the channel again, you know, eight hours past the point where it was being discussed. And right. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Yeah. So. No, that's fair. No, man. Yeah. I, I sincerely appreciate it. I think you were very open and honest. And, uh, you know, I think that's why, you know, we have such a good rapport because, you know, for better or for worse, I think we can both see both sides of the token. And I, I truly stand behind it. I do think you are, the best, you know, I don't know, coder, developer, programmer, however you want to say it, you know, that, uh, you know, UO has seen because what I've seen on Outlands, you know, I mean, well surpasses OSI, you know, and, and any other, you know, free shard polish that I've ever seen. Oh, much, much appreciated. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely trying, at least I'm trying to, do things that I think would be fun in a lot of cases. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm like, I could see the argument that, you know, Luthius doesn't know or understand PVP. Maybe fair. I get that a lot, which is funny too, because I used to do a ton of it like back in the day. I mean, I back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pretty much from free servers from 2000, 
I mean, I, I, I mean, I played Great Lakes from, from 97 to 2000, and then pretty much free servers from like 2002 to 2012. Right. And a huge chunk of what I did was PvP. And it's kind of funny because I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not great at it now just because I've, I'm, I'm pretty out of, I've been developing for about 10 years now. <laughs> right. But, uh, but for the longest time, my PvP was what almost all I did. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of funny. I mean, you know. Well, my, my point in saying that is you could, you could maybe say that, you know, maybe, but. My opinion is I would never say Luthius doesn't care. You know, that would be my counter to that whole kind of thing. Sure, sure. You know, because that's, that's, yeah, and that's obviously a, that's a completely valid argument saying that, you know, our, our stuff's oriented more towards PBM. Um, and, and, we, and and the fact is, yeah, we, ha we have kind of neglected some of the PVP, at least events like like stuff. I think we've, we've, I think we've addressed a decent number of mechanics type stuff, but the actual right. events. We've we've definitely been lacking in, and we need to make amends for that. And we definitely need to to yeah, we're trying to put more of a concerted effort into addressing that. But but yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I I always for a long time thought of myself as a PVP or <laughs> yeah, and, that, and then when people say oh I, he doesn't care about PVP or he doesn't doesn't know what PVP is and that's a, I mean obviously I can't prove it in game because I'm not really I, I'm not really part of any sort of groups or anything and or anything. Well, so, I, I would I would counter with. Any player that plays Outlands, go to the Discord and go to the PvP channel, and you will quickly see <laughs> if you can even read it. Right, like it, it's a bit of a joke where yeah, everyone's the best. Everyone, you know, that's all it is. It's it's weird. Well, yeah. And, and, well, I, I, also, everyone has the, has their rule set that they're the best at too, and that's. You know, I do find it interesting when certain players come over from different servers from different rule sets, and then they manage to succeed here despite our our rule set being. A kind of amalgamation of a bunch of different things, right? So I, yeah, no, it's it's again, it goes it goes back to what I said before, as far as like our our rule set probably isn't everyone, no one it's probably nobody's favorite, but it's good enough, I think, where enough people can find it can f call this place a home. But For I would sure. like to try, yeah, I would I would like to try to at least improve on that and make people a little more happy with what we have without. Um, you know, making somebody else without uh, compromising to somebody else what they actually liked about PvP, which is a really tough balance. It's hard to to lean one one more direction towards you know like a UR rule set without you know upsetting the T2I people or people who are more into. I mean, I guess I guess there's AOS people. That's that's kind of a weird PvP yeah, know, background, in, in, in my yeah. opinion. But but we do have a genuine large number of people who are like, yeah, oh yeah, like. Like um, I mean, like necromancy PvP was the best, and I'm like, okay, all right, that's right. That's yeah. No, well, I'll tell you what. No matter what you uh, you know, produce, release, my e bolt will be ready and waiting for sure because I'm definitely <laughs> I'm in. Um, but sincerely, man, I know this is gonna be part one. Uh, we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, is there anything else related to Outlands that uh, you know, you want to kind of say to the community at large? Um, well, I, I mean, just in general, thank you. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're constantly impressed and astonished how many people keep on humming along and joining us, and especially the new players. Like we have people. I, I know you said you didn't think that even in this day and age would actually start UO from scratch, but we have a surprisingly large number of people who are trying Ultima for the very first time and sticking with it despite all the weird the learning curve issues. Yeah. The sheer amount of, the sheer amount of things to remember, remember, or like even just tackling things like a housing system, like lockdowns and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I know we have a, I mean, it's both a gift and a curse. The fact that I feel like we have a lot of custom stuff that 
both give players a lot of things to do, but we also have a lot of stuff that's a giant learning curve for players to stick with us. So yeah, I, I think anybody who's who's tried us out and stuck with us, I'm uh, extremely appreciative of that. Uh, I'm even the people who are very vocal and sometimes not the most civil with feedback. I I still actually I still actually enjoy that just because they're passionate and they care. People who usually don't care don't seem to they, they just kind of vanish. Right. Uh, yeah. So I I don't I'm 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 constantly humbled by how much people how much time people spend here, how much effort they put into things like decorating contests and kind of miscellaneous, even just like role playing things and. Yeah, it's I'm I'm, I'm happy we have ever, I'm happy with the people we have we have on board with us. No, for sure, man. And I think yeah, this is a great one and I'm excited for part 2 and we'll do that at a later date to kind of uh have some more fun with you cuz I think I think a lot of people <laughs> have seen the corporate Luthius, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, but no, sincerely, man, uh, I appreciate you uh, sitting down with me and, uh, you know, definitely got to do this again. Oh, no problem. I, I, I absolutely love doing this, so.